Hey loves, I'm Marley Liss, and welcome to the Sensual Revolution. This is a global movement to reclaim sensual empowerment on an embodied and systemic level. My personal path of sensuality has not been easy. Shame around my body image, sexual abuse, and my queerness had me dissociated and numbed the heck out. It's been a big journey to get to where I am today, but I really have turned my pain to purpose. Along the way, I've learned our personal healing makes epic waves in this world. This podcast is here to remind you that your healing is selfless. When you learn to shed shame, love your body, and claim your worth, you pave the way for all people to do the same. Here, you can expect to hear from sexual educators and healers who work at the embodied level of sensual empowerment, as well as policymakers and justice leaders who work at the systemic level. It's all connected. So whether you're at the very beginning of your own sensual healing journey, or you're a sex-positive advocate and superstar, this community welcomes you. Let's come together and revolutionize this planet one loving, sensual step at a time. Hello, everyone. I'm so excited to be here with a longtime friend and epic AF human, Reva Wild. Reva, how are you? Oh, I'm so good. I'm so excited to, yeah, be leaning into this conversation with you. I'm noticing like flashbacks to our days running Femme Fire and Sexy and Shameless and these different events that we held for women in person years ago. And yeah, I'm just really excited to rethread this sisterhood and talk about, yeah, some of the magic of unconventional relating adventures and the mess and the magic in that yeah oh that's so cool we totally did run some like epic events here in what's known as Toronto and we did like so much work that is directly tied to everything that we're both doing today so like yeah yay for our younger badass selves who are already yes (laughs) we've been been doing the central revolution thing for a while Mm-hmm. At this point, I imagine that would have been five years ago. That's really, that's really wild. What is time these past few years? I don't even want to think about it. People will be <laughs> like, oh, whenever someone asks me on an interview, like what year was that? Or whatever, I'm like, 2012? Uh, <laughs> like, Itch. I do not know. <laughs> I do not know. Um, yay. Okay. So first question that I love starting with and you can answer this in any way that feels good for you practical meta all the things who are you in this chapter of your life oh my goodness I love that question yeah right now what resonates most in me is I am a human being that is learning what it means to love and to play and to connect and be alive amidst the context of the last 10,000 years of gold and trauma and pain and intense human relating patterns Mm -hmm. that have been experienced globally and navigating that and offering what I've learned and what I've cultivated over the last decade to others. Mm -hmm. That's a lot of who I am. I am also in another Uh, way of speaking to this I am a polyamorous queer femme kinkster 
who loves the most intense edges and most nuanced, complex conversations and experiences of life. And I want to invite others to embrace the, uh, how I word this, uh, the parts of us that make us all feel like the misfit toys on Misfit Toy Island. The part of us that makes us feel like the oddballs, the weirdos, the no one else is like me. And it, the more I'm leaning into life, the more I'm realizing we're all a little bit weird. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We all love a little bit differently. And we're all just maybe a little bit kinky or a little bit uh, gorgeously strange in the way that we want to experience love and play and pleasure and this one wild, epic, strange human experience that we get to have. Yes. Oh my gosh. This is not at all part of my questions that I, (laughs) but I'm just like, do you have any Scorpio in your chart? (laughs) Uh, It's my rising sign, darling. Yeah. I was like, (laughs) almost picturing like a one minute video just of that clip with like, (laughs) like, you know, and then it's like Scorpio. (laughs) I love that. I love that. I so resonate with like the challenging of the taboos and just diving into topics that we've wrapped the most shame and like unspoken codes of silence around as well. So just so much appreciation for that work. Can you share about the work that you're doing and what led you to it? And like, feel free to take up space and time with answering that because I know when people are like what led you to your work maybe they think it's like chill and simple I always get that on like dating apps people are like oh how'd you get into that and I'm like um do you want (laughs) I'm like here's a podcast episode you can listen to that explains it (laughs) oh I know it's a big question but answer in like whatever way feels right one so appreciate the time and space you're offering to this and the recognition of this could be one sentence or 10 years of you talking um (laughs) and yeah for me like what started this was experiencing myself in kind of like puberty coming into this space of like reading my first really smutty spicy sexy romance novel and being like I knew sex was something cool like experiencing sex education and experiencing oh my goodness like for me erotic desire since I was five like parts of me being like I want to experience pleasure with this person or the part of me that wanted to date Tarzan and Jane when I was seven and Tarzan came out and I was like I want to date both of them that'd be so fun oh my goodness and like such an innocent thought that like got squashed really quickly by culture and this story of like being a fat woman and being like a fat girl in a very small town there being a lot of stories I received of like, I'm not valuable for love. I'm not valuable as a partner. No one wants to marry me. There's this line that I received from five boys standing over me in the sandbox when I was five years old in kindergarten of this little boy saying, you're fat and you're ugly and you'll never get married. Wow. And these are common stories Like I've worked with five-year-old girls who are like, I don't want to eat because I want to fall in love. I have had conversations with 14-year-old girls that are like, I'm not good enough for dating because my skin doesn't look like this. My hair doesn't look like this. My body doesn't look like this. And this journey of experiencing what is it to grow up 
and want to date and want to flirt and want to be loved and want to play at all ages and experiencing the different ways that we've culturally taught children and culturally taught ourselves, can't even say the word right now, um, <laughs> to, yeah, to shut down play, to shut down pleasure, to shut down connection, mm-hmm. to be in that space of othering, of judging, of not enoughing, and of all of that. And so when 14-year-old me picked up that romance novel and was like, oh, I want this big strapping man of a fairy of a Highland warrior to take me away into a place where my curves are love. Mm-hmm. It started this journey of me like getting to explore all of the areas of my eroticism and what turned me on and what I was afraid of. I got to explore the parts of me that are queer. I got to start leaning into, yeah, that journey of coming out as bisexual and wanting to date the uh, archetypal playground of Tarzan and Jane, mm-hmm. of being polyamorous and wanting to experience relationships with more than one person and have my love be free, of wanting to explore the darker realms of Eros. What happens when we play with the most taboo painful and for some humans outside of a kink context most traumatic parts of being alive Mm -hmm. and create spaces for healing for connection for playing with intensity within the realm of deep consent and love and pleasure and wild amounts of turn on yes so the big part of the work that I do now in supporting men and women and couples and also beings beyond kind of that gender spectrum to feel confident in their bodies and in their pleasure, in their sexuality, in their experience of being alive and having desires Mm -hmm. and being able to have deeper acceptance and love for the parts of them that, uh, parts that I call like your inner kinkster that want the more taboo, that want the more dark, that want the more spicy elements. Mm -hmm. And to be able to recognize if maybe you're a human who only wants spicy dishes all the time and that's your jam. Mm -hmm. Or if you're like wanting vanilla with a little bit of habanero pepper on top and to really embrace desire and what we're wanting. Yeah. Thank you so much for that and for sharing your own journey with that, like that window into your own journey. And also for weaving in those conversations around like fatness and sexuality and I know this is something I feel like we've talked about this a lot or have just had a lot of parallels in our work around definitely in our lives yes yeah and um I just think it's such it's such an important topic and I just think it's really beautiful how you almost shared this journey from like being I'm picturing like I'm picturing like being at a birthday party and there's like a whole buffet of like food and snacks and everything and that can represent food, but it can also represent like all of the sexual desires and experiences and playfulness and everything you were naming. And this experience of being like, this isn't for me. Like none of this is for me or available to me. And then this like slow, gradual shift into reclaiming the knowing that it is for you and to playing around with choice and getting really clear on like, all of this is an option for me actually what do I really want and like what will I really enjoy and I just think that's such a beautiful reclamation that all bodies and 
humans and souls deserve. So yay for that. Can yes. you share? I'm really excited to talk about polyamory. Like before we hit record, I was saying this has just come up so many times since since you and I were like, let's schedule this. I feel like since then it's just come up so much in conversation with clients and friends. And I'm just like seeing it everywhere. So can we start with really like 101 kind of stuff? There are so many misconceptions around what polyamory is and isn't. So can you just define it for us and maybe share like what it means to you as well? Mm-hmm. Yeah, polyamory is essentially the choosing or engagement in loving multiple people where there is, and especially like when we took it like ethical polyamory or like consensual polyamory where everyone's on the same page, mm-hmm. everyone's open and willing to explore like me loving you, you loving someone else, them loving someone else, and they're being kind of like more love, sexuality, um, nesting um, partnerships with like more than kind of the monogamous unit that we have been prescribed and has been described as the only healthy way to have relationships for a very long time. Mm -hmm. So polyamory is essentially the exploration of what happens when it's safe to love more than one person? Mm -hmm. What happens when it's actually deeply nourishing to love more than one person? Mm-hmm. And I think that's more of like my definition is polyamory being this exploration of being able to be deeply authentic with the love, with the turn on, with the attraction, with the connections that I have with human beings and not have other relationships completely stop that energy from being able to be explored, welcomed, embraced, and yeah, like deeply okay. Mm-hmm. And I think that piece at least is important in all relationships, whether we're choosing to engage in monogamous styles of relationship or polyamorous is, can we lovingly accept that we are human and that there are a lot of attractive humans and that we may be attracted to them or want to flirt with them or have desires around uh, connecting with them in the erotic realms. And that that doesn't necessarily mean that we're cheating, that we don't love our partners and that, yeah, we're bad or wrong, or God forbid I say the word a slut in the way that we've understood that to be a bad word. I personally identify as a sacred slut. I think that reclaiming this word is super juicy. Same with fat. Mm -hmm. Uh, But yeah, like to shift this perspective around monogamy being the only option for healthy relationships. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, That's such an interesting one. And I I definitely feel and see how our culture is like monogamy is the default, the expectation, what you have to do. I'm curious how you even got to a place where you were like, this is a valid option for me. And what (laughs) kind of like internalized belief systems did you have to overcome or maybe are still overcoming in some ways? Mm -hmm. Um, Well, for me, what's beautiful and funny is my queerness, my kinkiness and my polyness all came with a... Uh, threesome experience with this kinkster couple when I first entered university into my degree in sexuality, marriage, and family studies. And I was like, I want to go explore this. It ended up being toxic on so many levels, really painful. A lot of just like humans in pain, wanting control in relationships. 
and me feeling really left out and unable to communicate yet because I hadn't studied attachment theory or anything that would have helped me yet. I was like day one <laughs> started this dynamic. But it opened up this realm around sensation and uh, power exchange. It opened up this space of like, I'm more attracted to her than I am him. And I thought I was straighter than I am queerer. So maybe I'm queerer. <laughs> and also, I really like both of you at the same time. And that brought back up this yeah. young self dreaming of Tarzan and Jane. And what would it look like to raise babies with two people? For me instead of one person mm-hmm. and the, yeah there's been definitely this journey of exploring polyamory going deeper into polyamory seeing the different complexities even amidst the humans who are polyamory coaches oh my goodness the human patterns that show up in all of our human <laughs> relationships like for those of you watching relationship coaches we are also figuring this out it is messy there are thousands of years of trauma and like, it's an adventure. Hello loves, just jumping in to tell you about the 2S LGBTQIA plus community space that Eva Bloom and myself have created. The Fuck Compet Support Club is an epic space to connect with fellow queer and questioning humans, to build community and to process compet, which is short for compulsory heterosexuality. This space is just $10 per month and you'll get access to a guided monthly Zoom call and an ongoing Discord space for connection. There's always so much gorgeous community and chats happening in that space. So go to patreon.com slash fuckcompetsupportclub, spelled as I said it, but minus the U in fuck, or to make things easy for yourself, just click the link in the show notes. Here you'll find more details and you'll be able to join there. We'd love to welcome you in, whether you've been out for years, are exploring new depths of your queerness, or are questioning your sexuality right now, this space is for you. You truly do belong, and we'd be so excited to welcome you into the club. But this exploration has felt really integrated for me now. It's like, this is who I am and how I love. Mm -hmm. I don't see myself experiencing monogamy happily, and maybe future Reba will have different decisions that make sense for her. Mm-hmm. Um, and I trust her. I trust future Reba like immensely. And I, yeah, I feel so at home in this space of being able to share my love with people who are resonant, mm-hmm. to be able to be free in my sexuality in a way that's not harming any of my partners because they all know about it, but can also invite these different nuances and flavors of this experience of being human that I love so much mm-hmm. like that buffet table that I felt like I couldn't eat from there's now this experience of like I could have every flavor of ice cream on the entire planet if I wanted it yeah and my lovers support me in that mm-hmm. and there's also like the complexities that come up with that like jealousy jealousy is a big conversation that comes up Mm-hmm. And also the other piece is like cheating. How do you know if someone's betrayed you? But what I've found is deepening into connecting with understanding attachment styles and the attachment traumas that we all have as human beings, because culturally it is just like seeped into the language and the media and the way that we talk about relationships and experience relationships that 
kind of like learning deeper about how do we come closer to relationships and try to grip onto them to try to like stay safe or how do we kind of like keep love out here because it's like this might not be real or it might not be here forever so I'm just going to keep it here because I can't fully receive it and then mm-hmm. there are humans like me who are going kind of back and forth between that because of having two parents in different, um, yeah, in different kind of like attachment patterns. Yeah. There's a way of exploring this space where we can get jealous or feel like my needs aren't going to be met and meet this person with compassion and love and share. There's a part of me that is jealous and feels like I'm not going to be loved the way that I want to. Can we talk mm-hmm. about it? We create our relationship agreements. So it's not like automatically if you're flirting with some hot chick over there, it's suddenly like, oh my gosh, you don't love me and you're betraying me and you don't care about me. If flirting is within our agreements that we create together, that's exciting. That's delightful. That's my partner getting to experience something juicy about being alive while she's alive, while they're alive. Yeah. That's so important to me. Yeah. And yes, I have jealousy come up. Yes, I have fears when partners are getting close to those edges of the agreement. It's like, ooh. And a lot of the practice that is relationship in general, but polyamorous relationships specifically is how can I choose to love the human being that's engaging with me and invite what makes deep sense now? Mm-hmm. And to be in that kind of like updating ourselves all the time of who is this human being now? How is like the membrane of our agreements breathing? And for some of that, that creates a lot of fear because it's like, but what if you cross the boundary? Ah, what if I feel pain in our relationship? One of the like pieces is recognizing that all relationships are risky because we are all navigating how the last 5,000 to 10,000 years are impacting us. Mm -hmm. And then it's choosing who does it make deep sense to go on this risk of there might be pain and there can be a lot of pleasure and joy and meaning and those moments that make your heart burst in anywhere from orgasm to like the tears of this is why I'm alive. Mm -hmm. This is what I came here for. Yay. I want to have like a justice for jealousy moment too. And I hear that so much in what you're sharing, because I think that polyamorous are not as humans in life. Like so many of us have so much shame around feeling jealousy and we have such an emotion hierarchy happening. And I hear it all the time where someone's like, oh, I don't get jealous. And it's like um, a superiority, like, oh, I never get jealous. (laughs) Oh, you get jealous. Um, And there's so much judgment around it. And I just want to be like, everyone experiences this. Maybe it's in our own unique ways and different ways, but we all experience this and it points us towards our needs and like how we feel emotionally safe. So I just appreciate, I think that a lot of people bringing it back directly to polyamory, like a lot of people have this idea that the people who are navigating polyamory have to or should never experience jealousy in order for that to happen right so can you share actually like what are one or two misconceptions around polyamory that you've that you hear a lot and like how would you respond to those Mm -hmm. one of the biggest ones is about jealousy is the 
you have to be a completely non-jealous person to experience these relationships. Uh, and it, it's simply not true. I have gone through waves of who I call in my kind of like internal family systems kind of self, uh, <laughs> my inner uh, jealous bitch. I also mm -hmm. have an inner judgmental bitch. I love, I love my bitches. They're my best friends. I reclaim that word fully. It's just like, yeah, you're angry and frustrated about a human experience. Me too. I get it. Mm -hmm. um, but the part of me that, especially coming from the history of I'm not enough, I'll never be enough. My body will always be uglier than other people's bodies. Mm. And that story that I think almost every woman and femme kind of like raised being has been taught, but also many other people, this kind of sense of someone will be prettier than me and steal my partner. Mm. And then I'll be left alone. And yeah, like that's come up with multiple lovers over various periods of my time. The most recent one came up a couple of months ago. No, it's not even, that was a couple of weeks ago. Time's very strange. <laughs> Time is very strange. Yeah. A couple of weeks ago, my lover was going to the beach with someone. And I noticed that part of me that was like, uh, but, but, um, but are we going to be safe? But are you still going to love me? But are they going to be better? Are they going to be easier to relate with? Or are they going to, mm, are you going to like them more? Mm -hmm. Part of me that in its jealousy can kind of sound like this and be like, you're just going to go have fun and you're just going to enjoy those people and not me. But actually underneath jealousy for every person is that like inner child, that inner part of us. that's like, I want to be loved too. I want to be seen too. I want to experience mm -hmm. what you're experiencing too. Yeah. Yeah. It's incredibly sweet and innocent. And, and I, I feel that so much in what you're saying, like the, the innocence and the, the vulnerability, like the tender vulnerability of it, because I think we do so much demonizing of, of emotions like jealousy and anger. We're like, oh, those are bad. Like, it's not good to feel those. Like there's, yeah, we demonize them. And then when we actually really turn towards that feeling and look closely at it, like you're saying, it's that really tender space where maybe we just need reassurance and maybe some inferiority and not enoughness is coming up and those are just like energies that so deserve to be held rather than demonized so I appreciate that mm -hmm. one yeah. of the pieces that is at the core of the work that I do and even like the deep work I've done with myself is the recognition that every emotion every thought every pattern whether it's defensive or painful or even just like really intense is trying to protect me or care for something I love so much mm -hmm. that based on the cultural condition and the context of that moment or the context I was raised in. And I deeply believe this fits for every single human being, even the human beings engaging in the most painful, oh gosh, actions towards other humans or themselves. It's another part of them underneath that's trying to protect something that is so important to them that they're trying to love. <laughs> Jealousy is wanting us to get closer to what we want and is afraid that's not possible. Mm -hmm. So it looks when our partners are flirting with someone or when someone we like likes someone else or when someone's standing on a stage doing the thing that we want to do and jealousy comes up, it's like, I want that. 
Mm-hmm. I love the idea of doing that, being that, experiencing that while I'm alive. Yes. Yay. I love yeah. this. Yeah. Um, mostly because it's a really great story. Can you just share like this really major life shift you had that kind of came with the pandemic and just like how you ended up living where you're living. I feel like you've just been like immersed in like a kinky polyamory, like spiritual, I don't know. Like it's so, so can you just like share a bit about the major life changes that were kind of catalyzed by like the pandemic? (laughs) So long story, very short. I got the nudge from what I believe to be like the great pussy in the sky, like great goddess, like the energy of like turn on and aliveness. It's like, I have to go to Guatemala and I have to do this training. So I signed up for the International School of Temple Arts, level one and level two. I arrived in Guatemala and he also might know this timeline on Friday, the 13th of March, 2020. Mm-hmm. And we're in the training and we're starting this initiation and they're like, you can put your phones away. We won't need them. And on day two, they're like, so the entire (laughs) world is shutting down and you might never be able to see your family again. And like, we don't know what's happening, but they're declaring a world emergency pandemic. And I was sitting there in the class, like, yeah, I'm staying. I don't know why, but I'm just going to keep staying. Yeah. was calling me being like come back to Canada do this but I just knew and this initiated this deeper journey in me connecting the sacred the the elements of like my heart and my deep love for humanity and the possibility field of how we can be human and peaceful and loving and playful together and got to experience that with a group of people in one of the most profound and powerful ways of my life and this activated kind of like deeper empowerment in my business and to finally offer at that point in time that was like eight years worth of academic experiential at that time probably like eighty thousand dollars worth of trainings me being like I want to talk and help people with relationships but I don't know anything mm-hmm. really standing yes. in my power and being like this is important which then had me fall in love with someone in the training I'm literally in their house right now here in Guatemala right. there's volcanoes in front of me <laughs> and a big beautiful lake in Guatemala yeah I got to deep dive into more kink training and experience kind of just like deepening into showing up for my polyamorousness and talking about it online showing up for my kinkiness and talking to that online and even just like the act of choosing that like talking about sexuality online is really important to me because we have all come from sex yeah. And having all the, all the daddy Zook algorithms lovingly hate me. Oh, <laughs> daddy so Zook. oh. I'm done. Oh, daddies. <laughs> oh. oh my gosh. Um, There's a, a group of yeah. uh, femme sex positive humans in my world. And we're like, oh yes, daddy Zook. So I can say something again. And it's just, yeah, I just helps like- love feel like you literally it's such a reality tv show like you literally got stuck on like sex island like it's so it's been so fun to watch (laughs) 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 yes I love it and I'm I'm so happy for you that it like catalyzed so much of that empowerment and 
and yeah, it's beautiful. Hello loves, we're gonna take a quick break from our conversation to tell you about my signature group coaching program, the Sensual Wholeness Academy. This is an eight month program for women and non-binary folk who are ready to let go of shame and claim self-love, sensual empowerment, and somatic healing within an epic community rooted in radical acceptance. The course includes eight modules which dive into content like strengthening boundaries, claiming your true yes and no, transforming shame around sexuality, building a mindful self-pleasure practice, releasing body and genital shame, transforming trauma-inclusive sex education, empowered intimacy, the wheel of consent, and so much more. When you sign up for the Central Wholeness Academy, you get access to live weekly group coaching calls featuring embodiment practices. You get the eight video training modules. You get access to our VIP virtual community space where you receive ongoing support throughout the whole program. You get guided journal prompts, community to last a lifetime, and bonus workshops with amazing guests. If you're someone who's ready to let go of shame or numbness and claim the sensual empowerment and self-love you deserve, then your next step is to go to marleyliss.com slash SWA. You'll also see the link for that in the show notes. So here you'll see plenty more details about the program and you'll be able to set up a free consultation call with myself where you'll receive personalized support and explore if this is a fit for you. So I'm so looking forward to connecting with you on this call. You're so worthy and capable of this reclamation. So you mentioned kink, um, similar to polyamory, lots of ideas, taboo, maybe shame, definitely shame wrapped around that topic. Can you, can you also define kink for us and share specifically what it means to you? Yeah. So kink is... Uh, an umbrella term that holds anything that we want to explore in sexuality or even just in turn on and it activates us and we like it, even if it's not necessarily like sexual for us, Mm -hmm. that is definitely outside of the norm of what we've considered to be okay, to be attracted to, interested in, or turned on by. Another um, kind of like word that holds this is BDSM often which is, I think they're called acronyms, not antonyms, mm-hmm. acronyms. Or I was like, wait, what's the fancy word that says that Acronym, the means yeah. something and the S means something? So stands for bondage. So for those of you who have ever, <laughs> five-year-old self watching Beauty and the Beast, oh my goodness. <sighs> talk about the erotic oh. lives of like children learning that like I like things later, but mm-hmm. um, rope being restrained, the experience of someone else is in control. And I like that. So bondage or the experience of that. Then we have DNS, which stand for a couple of things. We have discipline. So kind of like really kind of like honing in on discipline and also dominance, someone choosing or being consented to be in a power position of deciding what'll be happening in the experience that's unfolding. Mm -hmm. And then we have submission which is surrendering to someone who's in that power space from a place of consent and like, oh, you're going to connect me with all the things that I love about being human. And S also stands for service. And, um, oh, and sadism. So sadism and masochism are usually the ones that have the most intensity around them because sadism is like the enjoyment of inflicting 
sensation on someone. And it often gets pointed at as pain, but sadism is really more about the desire to consensually deeply impact someone, whether that's physically or emotionally or psychologically. And then masochism is like, I love experiencing the intense sensation. Please give all of them to me. I want the most intense ones. Yeah. It often gets uh, associated with pain. And one of the biggest kind of misconceptions around kink and BDSM is that like it's perpetuating trauma, it's perpetuating misogyny, it's mm-hmm. um, just like it gets caught in the shame spaces of this is wrong and bad, this is just like not something we should engage in. And what I've found is that like kink has been the most healing for my experiences of reclaiming the desires that I thought were impossible. Mm-hmm. The desires that I've had to be tied up and have someone spank me and call me names and then give me like so much pleasure. I can't even handle it. Mm-hmm. Like I've had the beautiful opportunity to have scenes or like moments where there's kind of like an agreed upon container where everyone kind of like agrees to what's going to be played with. And then we get to explore that space where I've experienced 70 forced orgasms and I can't talk. And I'm just like (laughs) a puddle of pleasure and goo and multiple brain hormones for like almost an hour before I like really came back. Mm -hmm. And it's been one of the most like meaningful access points also to healing the shame I've had around my body. Utilizing like the powerful container of someone that I love, who I know loves my squishiness and my belly and my chubby thighs that jiggle and my cellulite and hearing them use all the words that my bullies have used, all the things that I've been the most afraid of someone saying to me and getting turned on by it and getting activated by it. And then having a whole bunch of pleasure connected with all these things that I thought would break me. Yes. And choice. I hear having choice. choice. I chose this. I choose this. And that's once again, uh, I I call uh, polyamory and kink kind of like playing relationship on expert um, Mm -hmm. because you're playing with the kind of like the hot taboo, also like pain points and the risky points that we've experienced in human relationship Mm -hmm. and say, like I'm going to go into a deeply trusting space with you to go into this realm of pleasure and sensation and power and intensity because that's what I deeply want to experience yeah levels of safety we can create with ourselves and with other people in these relationships are wild and (laughs) yeah I just want to speak to any of the people who are listening to this if you have desires in the realm of polyamory, if you have desires in the realm of kink, even if you feel like your kink would be too dark or wild to share with even someone like me who's been in multiple dungeons across various continents and countries, mm-hmm. that there are people who love and appreciate and want to play the same very intense and specific games that you do when yeah. it comes to love and play and sensuality and sexuality and power and being human here. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much for this breakdown. And what I think is so interesting about topics that we've deemed taboo, and we're definitely getting into like many taboo topics in this episode, 
is unless we're deeply immersed in them, unless we're having that lived experience and are deeply immersed in it, the taboo nature of it often has us just like slightly looking away. Maybe we like take a, a few glances of curiosity with our peripheral vision, but we're not given that invitation and sense of safety and permission to like really look at like what actually is going on here. So I think the power of hearing story that shows us that depth and experience and someone being like, hey, here's what this actually means to me. Here's why it's been healing and empowering for me. I feel so much importance in that. And I also want to just invite listeners like, so again, before we hit record, we were talking about like divisiveness and division and like the struggle that a lot of us have to like love and relate with people who are holding really different values and beliefs than us. So maybe you're listening to this and you're like, fuck yeah, I see myself in this so much. I feel so seen, like representation, yes. Like curiosity, yes. Maybe you're stoked and you feel that. Or maybe you're really triggered and you're like, this sounds scary to me or I don't want that. And I just want to be like, that's okay. Like, that's okay. And I think that a lot of the time when we like judge someone for living that it's because we maybe feel a pressure to step into that when it's not necessarily aligned so it's just like yeah I just wanted to kind of say that and I'm curious Reva if you want to like add or expand on that yeah like when I hear that what comes to mind is like I want kink and polyamory to be options for you if when you hear them it lights you up and you're Mm -hmm. so interested and if you're like man I don't really want that that's not me that you don't have to experience this yeah and also to have this opportunity to confront if there's a part of you that's triggered or activated is it because there's like a desire that's been pushed down 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 and you're terrified of wanting this because of the social repercussions or what your partner will think or like other aspects that feel like it's a threat to things that are really important to you that that's also okay Mm -hmm. And a big piece around this divisiveness that we can feel of like, oh, that's not me, push it away, or oh, that is me, pull it forward, is we also have that divisiveness in our inner self, in different parts of ourselves, the part of us that's jealous and the part of us that's like, it's deeply okay. The part of us that's like, I want to go be a slut for the universe. That's a big part of me. And the other part that's like, I don't want anyone to touch me ever. To be in connection with the parts of us that maybe want to have these like big, wild, explosive firework lives. And also like, I have a part of me that just wants to like stay in this tiny house and not talk to any person, maybe forever. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. And that we all have these different parts in us that are carrying different cares and different strategies to try to help us receive what we want. And when we have that divisiveness outside, we usually also have it inside. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I hope that this gives this kind of like brief, gorgeous, nuanced window into if kink or polyamory are aspects of life that you're interested in, and there are parts of you that are in conflict with each other about it, that that's human and deeply okay. And we've been kind of taught to experience difference as a problem in ourselves Mm -hmm. and in connection with other people instead of difference as a resource. 
And that usually underneath our differences, there are these human beings who want to eat and experience pleasure and be safe and experience meaning in life. Yeah. This is so beautiful. Difference as a resource. That feels like such a beautiful reframe that can be applied to everything in the world right now. (laughs) And um, I, I really like, as you were saying that, I just, it really clicked for me that like, if we don't have options, we don't have choice. So I've thought, (laughs) I've thought about this before with like, you know, like someone who is genuinely straight, for example, Mm -hmm. it's like, that's fine. That's great. That's fantastic. Um, has there been a clear moment of like looking at the different possibilities and being like, yes, this one's for me? Or has it just been like the default experience? And same thing with any of this, monogamous, polyamorous, kinky, would you say not kinky? I don't know. Not kinky. Uh, Another word that's used is vanilla. <laughs> okay, yes, vanilla. Um, vanilla. All of these are great. All of these are beautiful mm-hmm. when they're authentic to us. Um, but having that clear moment where we look at different possibilities and we say, yes, this one, I'm like, that's where the, the empowerment comes from. So I love the way that you, you named that and just the emphasis on, on option, the right to have options and choice and to be like, this one is the most authentic one for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Speaking kind of in the context of like the sensual revolution, What are the sensations? What are the experiences? What are the ways of being alive that you deeply want? Mm -hmm. And I I see you, Marley, and as this being like a part of uh, uh, a projection of you and uh, exploration of things that you deeply care about, there being this deep care for how do you desire to live this one precious, wild, strange, sometimes painful definitely can be pleasurable and magical and epic as fuck experience mm-hmm. of being alive. Yeah. And if these are aspects of your aliveness that you want to explore that you have been exploring and you're running into all of the challenges, all of the complexity of being in human relationship. If you're wanting to dive into kink and you're afraid of getting hurt or you have gotten hurt in the kink community in the past and I'm someone who has gotten hurt in the kink community and in the polyamorous community and in monogamous relationships yeah. because there's a lot of pain and trauma in relationships yeah that it's very human and there are opportunities to learn deeper ways mm-hmm. to engage in these more gorgeously risky spaces when it comes to relationship and to keep in going for this experience of the payoff or the, that's not quite the word that I want. It's like the deep, rich benefit of getting to choose a life that is meaningful for you and go and connect with people who also value the same meanings around love and play and connection and sensation. Yay. And like, Yay. babe, go for it. Mm-hmm. You have one wild, precious life. Go have the kinky sex or not go connect with multiple lovers or not go be in the messy magical world of relationship yeah as you choose in a way that feels safe for you Mm -hmm. you support learning how to create that safety 
Marley has an epic badass program. I have badass programs. There are people in the world who want to help you navigate the last 5,000 years of human trauma in relationships so you can experience what you want. Yes. Because experiencing relationship now in the kinky and polyamorous lands and leaning into this space of inviting the possibility of my aliveness becoming a mom, which is so exciting and so terrifying and so exciting. Wait, what? You're becoming a mom? Or you not right now, not pregnant. I was like, did you just like drop a drop a bomb? (laughs) Not quite. I was like, what? Dropping, I'm dropping the bomb of like I've been saying no kids for like my entire life. And now I'm like, actually, I want to have a baby human. Uh, I love this so much. I also yeah. want to honor our time. Yes. And I'm like, could literally talk about this forever. Like, this has been such an amazing conversation. <laughs> I'm so excited to share it. Can you let people know how they can connect with you? Yes. You can come find me on Instagram to get all of my lives and my juicy posts around body image and self-love and I'm going to be starting to play with the algorithm to see if I can bring out more kinky and polyamorous things in a way that doesn't get me shut down off the internet forever you can find me at erotic embodied also if you're more interested in my signature offers or getting in touch with kind of like looking into the website land you can find me at Mm embodieddesire.com so that's where you can come and find that yeah and yeah also good old Facebook if you go on an adventure and find Reva Wild I'm also really responsive there and have some epic offerings there yay I will definitely drop those links in the show notes and I know that you mentioned an awesome masterclass that you Mm -hmm. have on um, everything we were just talking about and like empowering deep deepest desire. So I'll definitely drop that link in the show notes and yes. both can check it out. Thank you so much for coming on and sharing with us. I'm like really stoked about this conversation and appreciate you so much. Thank you so much for your time and your energy and your effort. I know it's been years that has gone into you being able to make the choice to make this podcast, the magic that it is. So Thank you so much for bringing me on and all of the time, energy, effort, and messy humanness that has led to you choosing this so that we can have these powerful conversations. Thank you, Riva, and thank you, everyone, for listening.